In a world where two duck fans wanted to record a podcast about Oregon duck sports and other stuff, this, this podcast is what they came up with. I know, it's not very good, but it's the best they could do. Anyway, welcome to the flock. We lost a few games, tough. That was District 5. Now we're the ducks. Yeah. And the ducks... Yeah. Are undefeated. Oh, right. yeah. Quack. 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 You can find us on all those major social media platforms at the Flock Pod. You can find me at Coach Justin D on those same platforms. Shane, tell them where you are. I am at Shane Potter Six on the Twitter for my innermost thoughts, and at Walk a Flock of Shane Six on Instagram for outermost thoughts. That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> I like that. Just shame to me. Shane, I want to start things off today. What do you call a waterproof chicken with a kazoo? Mm, what do you call it? A duck, Shane. Oof. You call it a duck. <laughs> I just That meme made me laugh so hard. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to go follow me on Instagram. I'm not going to. It's just. <laughs> you obviously aren't doing the thing we just told you. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. It's passion. hilarious. Yeah. it's uh, you, need, you need the laughs these days. Mm-hmm. We need the laughs. We need to keep things light and happy. And that's what we're here to help you do today is to give you some wonderful news that will hopefully brighten up your Saturday just like I know it brightened up Mario Cristobal's birthday. Oh, yeah. Getting the glorious news that, of course, football is back. But before we get more into that, I do want to let you know that we are, of course, partnered with WestCoastFB.com. Definitely go check them out. Excuse me, WestCoastCFB.com. Don't forget the C, Shane. Don't forget the C. It's very important. Uh, Please go check them out for all of your West Coast football needs. Some great articles on there. And uh, they were actually part of this whole Pac-12 release information. And we'll kind of, again, we'll dip more into that a little bit more in the show. A little controversial. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at these, uh, what do you call them? Little like teasers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to be a more semi-professional amateur podcaster, Shane. (laughs) We're all here to improve. You got to get the hook in the water. Exactly. We're all here to improve every single day. So let's just jump right into it. Football is back for the Pac-12. We joined the ranks of every other their conference in the country minus the ivy league right. that is of course playing football this year so i know you've got some thoughts on it shane so i'm just going to throw it to you and let, let's just hear what you think well first off let's just get down to the the bones of what's the nitty-gritty you're always good at that you always get me back on the train tracks <laughs> the season is going to open up saturday november 6th so we got about what is that about like six weeks from now Sounds about right. On a Saturday. Yep, it is a Saturday, Shane. Um, do, 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 do. So that's good. The Pac-12 championship will be on December 18th. Um, no fans will be permitted. At so, any games. At any games. Any games no, this no, no. season, yes. Yeah. Uh, where we're seeing some other conferences, like we were talking about earlier, like LSU, Ole Miss, some of the, the schools down there. It's unbelievable how many fans are actually getting in there. Just wear a mask. <laughs> I know. And the best part is, too, like, if you notice the socially distanced bands... So the like every member of the band is like six feet apart. Meanwhile, you just look around the stadium; it's just these clusters of people. The band members finally have room to dance, though. Yeah, it is I mean nice. that's a big positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tuba player doesn't have to worry about bumping into anybody oh, else anymore. Just like getting in and out of there, oh, it's got to be a breeze now. Yeah, brutal. 
so the way that the schedule is going to be constructed, which hasn't been released yet, it's coming out next week. Yes, yes, uh, this we... is important information. This is something that Shane actually brought to my attention. And I actually, you know, I do minimal hustling for the preparation of the podcast. <laughs> Shane shows up with a gosh darn notebook full of stuff. So. I've got a, a new notebook. Yeah, he had to rock a new one. Yes, week, yeah. yes, this is true. The commitment, people. <laughs> I tried to like mentally get prepared to do it without notes, and I was just like, no, it scared me <laughs> way too much. It's like having dreams about it. This is why we're so good for each other. <laughs> so the way the schedule is going to be constructed is each team is going to play their the other five teams within their division. So yes. the Pac-12 North will all play each other. The Pac-12 South will all play each other. Now it's going to be a seven-game total season, so there's going to be one interdivision game on top of that. And then once we get to the Pac-12 Championship week, the two teams that are going to play are going to be one, one of the games that yes. week mm-hmm. for the championship. Every other game will be two teams kind of I don't want to say thrown together, but that's essentially what it is. So, yeah, I'm curious. They didn't announce how they're going to, you know, decide upon that. I'm curious if they do it based upon record or how they finish within the division or something along those lines. Producer Zuko is really trying to get involved in the podcast today. (laughs) We'll try to uh, keep his involvement to a minimum. All right, continue, Shane. Um, So, yeah, so that being said, every team will play seven games, no more, no less, barring some sort of, you know, COVID thing that happens, which we never know. So that being said, Oregon will play Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington, and Washington State. Um, because they're doing they're doing the seven game schedule to give a little bit more time to prepare for the season and then still qualify for the College Football National Championship, which they're doing the selection for December twentieth. So it'll be two days after that Pac twelve championship game. No win uh, standards for bowl eligibility, so every team is already eligible right now good news for Oregon State I was about to say so the Beavers are going to play in a bowl game <laughs> how exciting for everybody in Corvallis yeah. everybody at Arizona Oregon State and probably up in Pullman are pretty happy about those news rejoice Seattle rejoice mm-hmm. and you have to imagine that they're going to really take advantage of the bowl weekend and try and like you know just do as many ma- cool matchups as possible considering this season's going to be wonky you mean try to have as much football as humanly possible that's pretty yes, much absolutely yeah, yes yeah, yeah. yes um so yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I think this kind of folds well for Oregon playing the Pac-12 North schedule. I think it's yeah. nice. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I can kind of see them running the table here. And then it's going to be really interesting to see what the conversation is going to be like for the postseason. Well, as we were talking about before the podcast, we I've heard a lot of national media already basically saying, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't have a chance now to get into the college football playoff because they are starting so late. I actually watched a little bit of game day this morning even to see what they would kind of say about it. And I think I just got in a little bit late. I didn't hear much on mm. that specific program per se. I'm really curious to see how the Pac-12 is going to be perceived. And I think a lot of it is going to depend upon who that – crossover matchup is between divisions i think if you're the pac-12 you try to be a little smart about that and try to match up teams that are going to be you know i could see them doing like a based on like you know oregon versus the la schools so like oregon plays usc oregon state plays ucla and then kind of do the same because they love that regional matchup right. I mean, kind of thing they do basketball yes anyways, you absolutely know, so. that would make a lot of sense you know washington then plays like colorado and utah mm-hmm. um and kind of make it go that way and then, you know, Cal and Stanford then play the Arizona school. So that actually would make a lot of sense, I think, in just regards to keeping travel minimal, exposure minimal, things of that nature, but also trying to create as much buzz around the conference as possible. And it is nice they're giving them that time to get ready to go in. Uh, we kind of saw the NFL shorten things a little bit. And yes. we're seeing the repercussions of that with, you know, ACLs. And <clears throat> I think it was Howie Long was talking about how, like, 
your body can be ready to play and you can be in shape at your ligaments take a little bit longer to come along. Yes. And I think it was Chris Long, Chris the Green Long podcast. Long. Yeah. That he was talking more about that. How it's just your, you need that buildup. You need the, you know, uh, actually I think it was on one of the ringer podcasts I that I was right. listening now to this. Yeah, it yeah. was, uh, they were talking about the preseason, you know, you play about 30 minutes of actual game time on the field. So in right. the preseason, you're kind of able to go play 10 minutes, Stretch things out, recover, get back out there, then play 20. It's that ramp up. And if you've ever been an athlete yourself or coached, you know what that is like. And it's also the mental aspect of it. You need to mentally prepare for taking those hits and seeing the angles and adjusting to what your body, how your body is different this year as it was to the previous season or previous seasons. And uh, again, us athletes sometimes have a hard time knowing our limits and we need to be reminded of that in a, in a situation where the uh, possibility for impact is a little more minimal. Right. And certain guys, I mean, it's case by case. Certain guys are a little bit better at playing at 75%. Yes. Certain guys mm-hmm. are just incapable yeah. of turning it down a little bit. Yeah, me raising my hand. Yeah, I'm, I have zero and 100. That's pretty much all I have. Is that why you're always injured? Yeah, actually. Yeah. And pretty much now I'm old now. So, And I've been hitting the head a lot. Anything, yeah. yeah, I've been hitting the head a lot. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how each team handles this differently. You saw the LA schools really kind of being the ones holding their hands up being like, hey, we haven't really been doing anything to prepare. So mm-hmm. we need a little bit more time to ramp up. Where Oregon and those other schools were like, we're ready to go tomorrow. Yeah, like let's yeah, yeah. let's get this let's get it on you know what was that a celebrity death match <laughs> get it on let's get it on <laughs> oh claymation good times um so it'll be curious again to see how the preparation is different how the expectations then for each school kind of builds upon that because i mean the sec kicked off today there's going to be a, a weird ramp up now to the pac-12 media side the storyline side alongside what's already happening in college football. Right, and then, as you mentioned before, the the late start and the lack of full schedule being detrimental to postseason odds and all of that, you know, the jury's still out on how many games the SEC is going to play. We've already Very seen... Very true. Virginia Tech is, is averaging... They're looking at about seven games right now. Well, all of LSU have already had it, so they're good. So they're LSU's good. LSU's good. Ed Orgeron is also a medical expert. I don't know if you knew that. Talking like this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're ready to go, guys. He sounds like a frog that smokes a pack of cigarettes. But hey, anyway. I can coach voice, man. I, I hear you, Coach Ed. I hear you. I hear you. I love you, Coach O. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, some of these, you know, conferences, states, regions, however you want to say it, the way that they're handling this pandemic. And we're seeing, you know, some repercussions for that, some cancellations of games. Yes. Uh, having to cancel games because you're playing teams that are in those regions, mm-hmm. like we've seen with Houston. It's gonna. I don't know if a seven-game series, if done correct, or a seven-game season, if done correctly, where you know you have a better chance of playing all seven games, is that much different than playing an eleven-game schedule where three are probably going to get canceled? Again, I wish I could give credit to who tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. I think I can't remember who it was, but they mentioned how the Pac-12 has the chance to have the highest quality of season mm-hmm. due to the precautions that they've had, due to the time that they've taken. The Big Ten right along with them, but the Big Ten just doesn't seem to have the testing capabilities that the Pac-12 has been able to acquire. So once again, the West Coast is just doing things better than the Midwest. It's going to be, <laughs> um, it's going to be very. I think the Pac-12 has a chance to to go 100 on this. I think they have a chance to have, you know, very very minimal positive tests due to the little campus bubbles that they're creating. Uh-huh. Due to the amount of control that these Pac-12 coaches have over their programs also, you don't see a lot of brand new coaches in the Pac-12 this year, Uh except for up in Washington State. I believe that's the only brand new coach. Am I wrong? Uh, Arizona? 
Anyway, I think just due to the continuity that they already have in the program, I think they have a really good chance to keep the... The, I mean, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. Right. I mean, we saw Danielle House in the NBA bubble try to get one of the testers to come into his room. So let's just watch and monitor very closely. But again, I, I believe if I had a bet to put down in Vegas, I think I think they're going to go 7-for-7 seven seven on this. I, I would say, too, and like they've kind of approached it the same way that we've kind of speculated on it, which has been very hesitantly. Yeah. And I know it's kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but I think it's the right move, especially when there's so many unknowns. I mean... The whole thing's an unknown. It's an example of working smarter, not harder. Exactly. To me, it's, it's like not you're not pushing to just get something done. You're sitting back a little bit. You're watching. You're learning from some of the mistakes that you're observing around mm-hmm. the rest of the country. In Virginia, and, yeah, in Texas and these <laughs> other places. But you're just you're giving yourself the opportunity to get the jump on the wisdom aspect of it and to learn from those mistakes. And I again, I really believe they're going to go seven for seven. I could be 100 percent wrong. But does the fact that they go seven for seven increase the chance then that they could be a part of the college football playoff? It could. And there's also, you know, one thing to think about is like recency bias, where they're going to be having their championship game yes. two days before Selection Sunday. Yes. So it's. Isn't that the normal date for all the conference championship games? I don't know. I feel like they try to stack them basically all on that weekend. I'm going to look that well, up real quick. I had a hard time thinking that they were all going to be, you know, right there. But, you know, like they're going to be playing big games. Where, you know, we saw, you know, Florida, Ole Miss, some, like, some pretty good matchups today. There was, I know, there was two ranked teams that played this morning. Oklahoma lost, I know that. Right. And uh, another thing that we talked about right before we started recording here was, you know, with the Pac-12 being put into the rankings now, where you see Oregon will probably be put in the top 10, as many top 10 teams that could lose as possible would be great for Oregon, as we just watched Texas Tech Mm -hmm. score to go down by three against Texas right now. Um, so this is interesting. I just got the championship game schedule pulled up. It looks like the ACC and Big 12 have both clarif- have said December 12th or December 19th. They're, right, they're leaving the weekend open. Um, SEC and Big 10 are actually going to be Saturday, December 19th, so the day after the Pac-12 okay, championship wow. came. So it's nice that the Pac-12 was able to kind of get on schedule and be on – because I, I remember that being the because that's always a big weekend. You know, right. you're always you watch those games and then usually like that Sunday evening or that Monday they do the big. You know, it used to be BCS, now it's the college football playoff announcement. Mm-hmm. So getting on schedule with that was probably a big reason. And I like what you talked about earlier, just in regards to the ability to minimize some of the travel with just playing within division mm-hmm. for the conference. And again, you're minimizing your exposure that way. Yeah, and I mean you're making it you know as easy to do as possible yes. you know taking out as many you know unnecessary roadblocks that there are in a normal season that you know stuff that like even without covid they were still kind of like oh hey we have to do this stuff you yep. know like oh this road trip sucks or yep. like blah 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 i'm sure ohio state wasn't thrilled about coming to eugene oregon from a travel standpoint not a sports standpoint i mean eugene might be a step up from columbus i don't know they're not trying to rename eugene flavortown <laughs> i know that much so at least we have that going for us here in eugene so one thing that i'm actually kind of curious about here is i wonder how they're going to do the travel you know are they going to have you are they going to have the ducks travel up to washington to play seattle stay in a hotel kind of stay sequestered and then go play in pullman the next week you know, kind of do it like a little pod system like that. Are they going to have them going back and forth? To do just with the whole student athlete part of athlete it. student <laughs> part of it. Thank you very much. Right. And on, almost like, almost all their classes. Are, but I think most of their classes are on Zoom anyway. That's true. 
are they they're not going to any in-person classes that's true wouldn't that so it's similar to like what the 49ers did this week in the NFL yeah, where they, they playing back to back they stayed and the Rams they traveled back and forth right so I'm curious I mean I'm actually putting some money against the Rams this week if I'm talking about some gambling just because Ooh, of that we'll talk about gambling later. yes <laughs> but I think that's an interesting idea just from the Pac-12 scheduling standpoint obviously they have to try to make you know home and away fair but just to again do everything possible to limit exposure I guess, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard to say before because, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but we've also seen a lot of things that make a lot of sense not happen. So, you mean things in the Pac 12 don't make sense? <laughs> I mean, Pac 12 has kind of stepped in it on their own with over the past couple of weeks with news coming out about layoffs after bonuses, renting or leasing very, very expensive buildings needlessly. Mm-hmm. Pac 12, Larry Scott, you need to kind of get your, get your house in order, sir. Yeah, or at least just tell people like zip it, you know, like or just bounce, just get out, get the heck out, and let somebody I else know, do that job. That's definitely what a lot of people would prefer to happen. I think that is a real tricky job, though. I don't really. Think oh, that, absolutely. It's like a couple steps under being the like president of the United States. You know, it's a parfait. No good way to do anything because there's always going to be one state being like, but what about? And it's it's just tricky. I just I don't. Yeah, I don't envy his job at all. I'll There's just, layers. I'll keep being a bartender. There's layers to it, Shane. It's a parfait. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like um, an onion. So we've been talking a lot. <laughs> so that's a nice boulder. Um, we've been talking a lot about just kind of the Pac-12 angle here, but we are a Oregon-centric podcast, so we're going to focus a little bit now more on the Oregon angle and some breaking news. Javon Holland just opted out of this season for the Oregon Ducks, so that opt obviously depletes that Oregon secondary a little bit more. We here at the Flockpot obviously wish Hollywood all the success in the world of the next level. Especially, I think he'll be a great NFL player. I think well. he's got to be a top three round pick got yeah, from around that area. I think going to be projecting there. I'd say second, third, yeah. Um, but the most important part of Mr. Holland opting out is now uh, Nick Pickett basically stepping into the starting lineup. Yeah, and that's something I you know didn't really... Wasn't able to go over my notes, consider it just broke gotcha. before we hit record. Gotcha, Shane. Yeah, that is that definitely changes some things in the secondary. So we already so what we what we do know now is that Penny Sewell and JV on Holland are not playing in this season. We still don't I haven't seen anything definitive on Thomas Cramer Jr. or Diamandor Lenore. I haven't i I've been actually looking up if the possibility of them opting back into the season is available to them and I haven't seen anything. I I think it'd be pretty far fetched if they weren't able to, just yes. based on how everything is kind of pro player in this situation because I would agree. there's so much kind of on the line for them. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed in. I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if they wanted to come back. It really just depends on how they feel about, you know, the whole situation, where they are. Well, and now seeing that Holland has also opted out, I mean, there's a little bit of a – I mean, cornerback and safety is obviously a different position, but that, that defense is more – they're more needed now on that defense. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of give you an idea, they do have – wow, our lads is so good. They've already upped out of the depth chart for Oregon, updated the depth chart if I could speak. So right now um, at one cornerback position, they have Michael Wright. At one safety position, they have Nick Pickett. At the after safety position, Brady Breeze. And they actually have on here on the under quarterback cornerback position DJ James. Oh, they have DJ James. Yeah, two four seven has Triquez Bridges, who's a redshirt. Freshman. Wonderful name. I think he should get the starting spot just based upon the I name. The player I'm most excited about, who I think this may help his NFL stock the most, 
if it weren't, you know, already maybe like a sixth, seventh round guy is pretty breeze. Mm-hmm. Because this guy is a high IQ and classic, you know, he's a white kid. Just are you about to say? I was, I, I was, I was got to say high IQ, <laughs> high motor, does exactly what you want him to do as he's a coach. Surprisingly athletic. Very athletic, <laughs> absolutely. The lateral quickness just catches you off guard. But he is. I mean, he's JJ Reddick as a football player yeah. in a lot of ways. And, and he's just a great kid. I remember he was a really fun conversation to have uh, last year during media day. I'm excited to watch what he can do and be a leader now and be a dependent upon leader in this defense and secondary. Right. Because, I mean, I had my three biggest questions for this team moving forward were the cornerback position, like you said, I mean, which regardless of what happens is going to not have a lot of experience at it, but loaded with talent. Yeah. Um, the quarterback position, which we've gone over multiple times. Anthony still, Brown. There's <laughs> still just a lot of <laughs> part there. And also uh, <laughs> a lot to pick apart, but also just it'd be very interesting to see how Mario Cristobal handles yes. this because you could kind of do a lot of different things with it. Um, we haven't really seen, seen him have to make this decision. And the other thing is that left tackle. Uh, we're either going to have – oh, boy. I didn't – yeah. Jonah Tuanuanu. Well done. Uh, yep. Who's either redshirt freshman or Jalen Jeffers, who is a true freshman, are the two left tackles. Well, and then you've got Steven Jones over there at the right tackle position. The offensive line is still loaded with talent for sure. And Cristobal is going to have to kind of put those puzzle pieces in the right, you know, get them into the right shape. Right. You know, where everybody can be the but most I mean, successful. I mean, that part is like I'm less worried about because we have an offensive line coach at head coach. So he, you know, like he's going to get that in order before anything else. But it's just, you know, it's uh, having freshmen out there in a weird season like this is concerning when one game matters, one conference game matters so much. I mean, we're looking at the Pac-12 championship probably being two undefeated teams. I would hope so. I mean, just with seven games, it, yeah. it kind of has to be. Well, well you never before. know. Yeah. Especially if they go with some of these 9 a.m. starts like they were talking about. Dude, I mean... It looks like that's not going to happen. Let's that pray was that one, never happens. One of the, the controversial controversial topics we kind of wanted to get into was that 9 a.m. kickoff. Um, the Oregon president said he would not vote yes Thank goodness. That. Thank and goodness. I think a lot of other... It, I think the opportunity for that time slot is kind of diminished now with... The state of the sport. Give us another Pac-12 After Dark game. Give us two Pac-12 After Dark games, you cowards. I, as, as everybody knows, my very selfish way of looking at this is I'm pro morning games because I get to watch more of those than when I had to schlep You and your, your bartender schedule. <laughs> okay, I don't want to get up at 9 a.m. to watch. Yeah, anyway, we'll see what happens. I know the athletes don't like it. I mean, famously, Troy Dye was very coy about this last year at Media Day, one of my favorite aspects of that whole day. Um, but it's not something that the players want. Right. Because your day begins at 5 a.m. Oh, yeah, it throws off the, the people who are benefiting from that not that time slot are doing money, it money, 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 which brings me to uh, another controversy. Money. Oregon President Michael Schill said decision a terrible to name was not financially motivated. He was also quoted as saying the money going back into playing is tiny compared to the losses. You're a liar. You, Mr. Schill, are just a blatant liar. Yeah, That's a tiny little violin, world's yep. smallest violin type situation. Absolutely, where it's like, oh, who does that? hurt 
oh, your guys' bonuses yeah, that you exactly. still take all the time. Yeah. Meanwhile, tuition keeps going up and yeah. yada, 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 yada. It's funny when like people who benefit so much from these huge financial decisions are always like, well, it's not. It's because the players wanted to play. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> now, let's, I mean, let's give the credence where it's due. The players absolutely want to get back out there and play. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not. However, not exactly. However, this is happening because of money. This is happening because of TV contracts because of bonuses, because of budgets that were already created. Ohio State came out a couple days ago mentioning that they're going to have some massive shortfall in their budget and have to lay off all these people. But we're going to still honor all scholarships. We're not going to do anything about that. We're going to keep all varsity sports. At least that's what they're going to say publicly. And let's see what happens here in a couple months. Some other controversies from this news was uh, Colorado is unable to practice for the next two weeks because the county of Boulder issued a prohibition of gatherings between college students 18 to 22 years old, which uh, for opening school weekend, I think that was a pretty good idea. Kind of makes sense. Uh, it does kind of inhibit, you know, they're not able to go out there and practice. Yes. That kind of sucks. Uh, Michael Schill also stated, we are moving forward now, but it's not with our eyes shut. If we get spikes that are not sustainable, we will stop playing. So they are getting that out there now. Getting that, out ahead of it, that, just to know, get that this, into the news cycle. This isn't a definite moving forward. And I think that's what a lot of people are kind of like looking at things very black and white in this scenario. And it's like, well, they said it, so now it's going to happen. Eh, kind of. You mean Twitter lacks nuance? <laughs> no. Speaking of Twitter, our partner, WestCoastCFB.com, their Twitter page broke some news that we were kind of alluding to earlier yes. via Bruin Report Online. The initial vote to start playing football again was 7-5, to five, with no's coming from UCLA, Colorado, Stanford, Cal, and our friends up north in Seattle. Well, and just like I mentioned before the podcast, just typical Pac-12 fashion that UCLA tries to get out ahead of this news, announcing that football is back 45 minutes before the press conference that the Pac-12 had established as a basically media day. Right. The Bruins are like, oh, no, we're going to jump out there ahead of it. It's so L.A. It's so showtime. Like, gee, many Christmas. I have other words, but I'm not going to say them on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't have to mark it as explicit. And then for them to be one of the team that voted no, and then immediately come out after that, they'd be like, no, 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 we didn't vote no, we voted yes. Okay, well, where's the proof? Yeah, and then they were saying, oh, it was unanimous, and it's like, okay, which we saw because... a little bit of blowback here from um, some, it was mostly Seattle news. <laughs> uh, Those who, Huskies, man. Yeah, the uh, Seattle writer for The Athletic, as well as, uh, it was another verified account, kind of came out and said like, whoa. We blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people from Seattle are saying, well, they've been preparing to play this whole time. They still held practices and stuff like that. And it's like, cool. That very well may be true. But this is a school president exactly. voting. It has exactly. nothing to do with the athletic yeah. department. And I, Every coach, you know, player out there, I'm sure they would have voted yes. And we know how much the presidents of the Pac-12 love each other. Mm. And you know how much they would all just love to, you know, not throw each other under the bus for any way, shape, or form. Or to get ahead over one another for the next job that they might be able to get because of it. It's just it's just a massive pissing contest oh, in yeah. so many ways. It's like, well, they're like working together and competing all at the same time. Can we focus on just the biggest positive that football is back mm -hmm. back to football is back we are going to have games at Autzen Stadium we're going to hear the well maybe we won't hear anything from Autzen Stadium actually <laughs> the, horn. The, the we'll horn. The horn we'll get the horn I've heard uh, some questions on Twitter about will they will they replicate the motorcycle coming out in the start of the game so when the players like run out like 
You could oh, like, yeah. have motorcycle noises over the loudspeaker, or could you actually have the motorcycle? Are they still going to be doing their mascot still involved? I will say this. So the NBA has done an incredible job in the bubble of creating an environment that feels like fans are there. If my money was on any team in the Pac-12 to create an environment that feels like fans are there, their University of Oregon is the money that I'm going to be putting that on because they know how to do this. They're yeah. ahead of the game. They have digital media kids spending, I mean, interns spending hours already creating video packages and, you know, testing things on, you know, what decibel can we get to that's going to be allowed by the Pac-12 even though we're not going to have fans there? How can we make this feel like an environment that is conducive to big-time college football and to keep our kids that are on the field energized without 65,000 people in the stands. Yeah, I thought something that would be cool is like uh, crowd noise, like fake crowd noise, but up to like your average decibel. Well, so that's the NFL has kind of wavered on what they've allowed back and forth. They've just gone kind of like, and I think the Pac-12 is going to have to do something similar, unfortunately, and it's going to take away an advantage of a place like Austin Stadium. Last week, this guy comes into my work and he's like, he kind of green to the sports scene, but he's talking to me about like fake crowd noise in the NFL and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, they're only allowing up to like 75 decibels. He goes, well, it's pretty loud. I'm like, well, Autzen gets up to like 135. I mean, that's like, you know, rocking loud, shaking your eyeballs kind of loud. And he's like, well, yeah, but that's like with people yelling. And I was like, what? <laughs> it was one of those like, where you was like, hmm, I'm just going to go ahead and end this conversation now. Different perspectives. <laughs> yeah, different ways of looking at life, perhaps. Is, like, uh... You do understand that is what we're talking about, right? <laughs> like, that is the conversation that we're currently having. Yes. Uh, welcome to the conversation, sir. So <laughs> this is a Wendy's. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of an environment can be created in all these different stadiums and how each university gets creative, what they're allowed to do. If they try to stick with some of that pop and circumstance, like you said, of the motorcycle kind of driving out and, you know, touchdown celebrations and mm-hmm. things like that. I'm just excited that we have football. Yeah. it's. I, I mean, I'm, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm just glad. I think today was the first Saturday, I think, with the Big 12 and the SEC being back on TV. And then just the news, like, just brewing around around my heart that Oregon will be playing pretty soon. I was able to kind of, like, for the first time this season – like, you know, when you like get into different mindsets. Oh, yeah. Seasons, like, oh, yeah. I be, I'm finally in college football mode where I'm thinking about like RPOs. And like <laughs> we were discussing earlier on a text chain about yes. multiple quarterbacks yes. playing. And like, <laughs> Justin has an idea. Well, I guess like, I don't know if you. No, no, no. Don't break this. No, no, okay. no. This is my own personal idea. I'm keeping this in the lockbox. But yeah, if I was a high school football coach, I'd have like three or four kids ready to play quarterback at any second. I'd, I'd want to play for you. Oh, it'd be so fun. Yeah. I'd be so fun. It'd be air raid, triple option. <laughs> Let's get crazy. Let's get crazy. Let's have some fun. And I hope, I mean, you saw Ole Miss doing some of that today uh-huh. against Florida. and they, But those teams that yeah, aren't necessarily as talented are the ones that are going to have to try something different. And you saw, I mean, an example of this is, again, Oregon embracing that up-tempo, rampant, just down-your-throat kind of way of playing, they didn't have the talent necessarily to compete with some of the higher echelon of college football at that time, but by developing a specific scheme and a system, you could match some of those teams that maybe were a little bit more talented than you. So it's going to be really interesting to see what I'm just, I'm like you mentioned, this is the first time that Crystal Ball really has a choice to make. 
mm-hmm. and really gets to put his stamp on this program and how he really wants to play football, I think we're going to see upwards of 40, 45 rushing attempts a game. I could see that. I mean, with the, the way the offensive line has been developed, and we got a lot of size coming in on the yeah. offensive line. And then with the defense having, you know, probably – I was thinking about this earlier as I was taking notes for this podcast. Like, is this the best front seven that we could ever put together from Oregon? Like, at, at, starting at defensive line, they have Kayvon Thibodeau, Jordan Scott, and Austin Faleu. And then at linebacker, we have, like, the new additions of Noah Swell, Justin Flo, and Mace Funa on top of what was already being played. I mean, we haven't even really sunk our teeth into this Justin Flo situation just because it kind of seemed like the season wasn't going to go down. It just it, it felt not real. Yeah, it just felt like like why waste our time on yeah. this? Blah blah blah. We'll get we'll get into it as it approaches, which is now. And I think on our you know future couple episodes, we'll probably get into some like position battles, some breakdowns, and everything. But as I was just going over the roster, I was like, boy, there's a lot to like. I mean. There's some questions at quarterback and in the secondary. Everything else is kind of loaded. I'm just looking at this backfield right now. Like you were mentioning on the defensive backfield, I'm looking at the offensive backfield. C.J. Verdell, Travis Dye, and our favorite, Cyrus. Cyrus Habibi Likio. Who's uh, got some adorable French Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. If you uh, really are into puppies and whatnot, go follow he's that Instagram. Good, he's a good Instagram follow. He's a good follow. Yeah, yeah. Bentley, I think, is his little dog uh, that he had. Content. Yeah, I'm really, like, really adorable. this much your story every day? I'm so excited to watch those three backs run behind this offensive line. I think this is going to be the chance for Cristobal to be like, we're finally going to play like 17 to 9 kind of football. Like, just ram it down your throat, time of possession. You don't get to touch the football because we're having 13-play, seven-minute drives that you just can't stop because we're more physically imposing than you are. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, and I think that's going to be enormous in a condensed season. So, with that said, I think we're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back with some more about some NFL ducks, some, uh, we'll jump into our West Coast CFB article of the week, and of course, more general shenanigans. All right, welcome back here to the condo on a beautiful Saturday. Well, that's actually a lie. It's kind of gray outside, but it's fresh air. It's fresh air. Beautiful, fresh air. And it looks like Texas is going to lose. So all good things. Um, We're going to jump right into uh, our NFL Pro Duck of the Week. I think this is probably going to be the easiest week of the year for us to have this award. Probably, yeah. And I'm going to let you have the honor of announcing it, Shane, because this is a guy that I haven't been all that high on. We got our Offensive Player of the Week is the quarterback from the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Big Herb Herbert. The running elk himself. He had himself a day. The surprise start with the uh, really unfortunate situation of Terod Taylor having his lung punctured and collapsing by a So the whole Terod, Tyrod thing has finally been solved. Too. Has it? Yeah, so they were talking about this on the Chris Long podcast. Only his mom calls him Tyrod. Everybody okay. else calls him Tyrod. Tyrod. Yeah, okay. Tyrod Taylor. I think, unless I'm getting that backwards, which is entirely possible. It's crazy the way it's spelled, but let's... Uh, I just feel bad for the that's guy. That's neither here nor there. Hopefully he's able to get back out on the field at some point in his career, yeah, because that's just crazy. They're, I mean, they're, they're saying probably this year he'll get back out there. But I've seen some medical reports saying that he should never play football again. Yeah, well, I would have a hard time playing for that franchise. <laughs> Who was... Uh, this was... Um, 
Oh, I think it was Tory Smith saying that it's going to be the uh, the Los Angeles the Los Angeles Tyrod Taylors that he's just going to own that franchise after this is all done with. And I was like, that's beautiful. They, I hope he does. They kind of own. Oh, uh, big time. Anyway, that's getting back on subject. So Big Herb ended the day going twenty two for thirty three. That's a sixty six point six seven completion percentage for three hundred eleven yards, one touchdown, one interception in the air. To pair with his big elk stats where he went four rushes for 18 yards and one touchdown. It's a 94.4 passer rating. They lost in overtime to the defending champion Chiefs to open SoFi Stadium for the Chargers. It just continues this like Disney story arc of Justin Herbert. I mean, not only does he look like he could be the star of a Disney movie made about his life, but I mean, finding out, I think they said 15 minutes before kickoff that he was going to go out there and start. And honestly, probably the best situation for him. Yeah. That he didn't have to sit there. You know that he was gonna that he was an iPad nerd. That he oh, was yeah. just not his nose buried in that, so he knew the playbook. But to not have that build up, to not have maybe, I mean, again, I don't know if family was already in town or something like that, but not not have that kind of chaos of organization and logistics of getting people into town. He just got the opportunity to go play football, right? Because I mean, like where the the detriment that comes from it is not getting to work out with first team. Absolutely, like absolutely. The the good part that comes from it is almost like not having to work out the first team. You just get to go in there, zero expectations. Yeah. The the excuse if you fail is built in. Like, well, I didn't mm-hmm. even know I was supposed to go out yep. there. Blah blah blah. Uh, whoever was calling the game kind of said like their first start, they didn't sleep the night before. Mm-hmm. They were up just feeling sick all night. This he just kind of like you know. Probably good night's sleep. Probably had a nice meal before the game. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to stand there for the next two and a exactly. half Exactly. I'm going to call some plays. Yeah, here. I'm going to have some fried chicken. Like, I'm going to feel <laughs> good. I'm going to feel I love really... how in deep you're going here. Let me have some, like, mashed potatoes and gravy in there, yeah, too. He doesn't have to worry about eating light. Getting hungry. Nap, any of that stuff. So he just got to go out there and kind of play huck and chuck at football. We saw it on, like, the rushing touchdown where, you know. He oh, had truck stick. Sk- yeah. He had that little scamper, you know, Kansas City, there's no way they were watching tape on Justin Herbert's mobility, you know what I mean? They're preparing to see Terod Taylor in this game, ready for, you know, Mr. Checkdown. Who's mobile in his own right, but the week before you could obviously tell that something was wrong. And so I think, again, they prepared just differently for that. But again, to have that kind of a game against the defending Super Bowl champions, Mr. Mahomes himself in your backyard, it's just storybook. And for it to not have him get the victory is almost better for the overall story. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little more like chip on the shoulder kind of thing. Remember the Titans. <laughs> well, I guess they won that, so that doesn't really matter, but the kid was hurt. So, you know, you know, sour and sweet at the same time. <laughs> so Big Herb will be making his second professional start tomorrow, uh, Sunday against Carolina, 1.05 p.m. The game is going to be on CBS if you were in Eugene. A pretty weak Panthers defense also, so he's got some great opportunity here. Yeah, and we'll talk about some gambling aspects on that in one moment. <laughs> uh, our defensive player of the week that I have from week two was a defensive tackle out of Indianapolis, Mr. Defoe Buckner. Yeah, he's a beast. He had three tackles, one for a loss, one and a half sacks, one safety to go along with four quarterback hits as they shellacked the Minnesota Vikings 28-11. to Kirk Cousins had a 0.0 quarterback rating in that game. And I think that's only because you can't have a negative quarterback rating. <laughs> and he probably had some nightmares about DeForest Buckner. I mean, he was in his grill. I don't know if you saw the highlights from this game. A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, that stat line is actually kind of underplaying the game that he had because he kind of almost had four and a half sacks. Well, and that's what's difficult about being a defensive tackle in the NFL is you don't get a lot of statistical acknowledgement. Unless you're in Donald. 
Unless you're, but even Aaron Donald, even Aaron Donald does so much more to the game than it's you can true. actually contribute to statistics. Yeah, even though he's led the NFL in sacks the last three years combined. Oh, it's, it's still, still more than that. like yeah, it's the the impact that he has and the the way that he as a defensive tackle you can make other players' jobs so much easier. Yes, because you can control so much at the line of scrimmage. And that's why you're seeing the 49ers struggle a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, obviously the tremendous amount of injuries that took place last week has an effect on that, but without having Defo there in the middle, I mean, Bosa, Armstead, all those guys' jobs get a little bit more challenging now. Yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons that I had him up over, I almost went with Troy Hill going back-to-back defensive player of the week for a pro duck. Uh, segment he Troy Hill had just been moved to uh, Nickelback and as kind of a necessity to kind of help stop the run for this year's Los Angeles Rams team in his first game at Nickelback he had eight tackles and the game's game ceiling interception kind of like you know ended all the momentum at the end of the game Um, and he uh, oh yeah they're playing Buffalo this uh, tomorrow 10 o'clock so that'll be a big game for him as well yes a little bit of a bummer that I just read about yesterday Troy Dye was all set to make his NFL debut this week foot injury at practice has been moved to the IR they actually signed someone to replace him absolutely brutal speaking of being signed also want to give a shout out to Dion Jordan who has been signed by the San Francisco 49ers due to the plethora of injuries that they've had so shout out Dion for getting that promotion he owes me some money (laughs) like literally he was like he lived two doors down from me and went to college uh see this is look this is the the stuff you get here on the semi-professional amateur podcast here at the flock he was actually uh he was a tight end at the time and on when you first signed i remember that yeah and uh i was actually playing ncaa football 2009 on my playstation 2 at home he's still on that team as a tight end because he's like six eight two thirty five or something <laughs> it looks so funny when you put him out there dude it's like who is this guy they list him now as six six two seventy five but i'm sure the ufl probably listed him oh, at yeah. six eight yes oh, yeah. i mean he was a he was a big 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 dude another guy i was completely wrong about i thought he was going to be really good in the nfl yeah well i think it's more off the field stuff with him than on the field entirely possible all right, so uh, we spoke about our partnership with westcoastcfb.com earlier in the show. Um, as has been our habit the past few weeks, we are going to highlight one of the articles that they posted on their website earlier this week. And Shane has kind of come up with his own list here of a top five. Westcoastcfb.com came up with a top 25 of current Pac-12 players in the NFL. So if you can just kind of mentally think about a couple of those guys. I mean, obviously, a couple of them are still playing here on the West Coast. A couple, you know, studs that were rookies, maybe second or third year guys. A couple veterans. I mean, they really kind of went the gambit here on the article. Um, Shane, before you give us our list of your top five, do you want to talk a little bit about the list that WestCoastCFB.com put together? It's a good list. It's pretty intensive. Uh, there's a lot of guys on there that I kind of forgot about being from Pac-12 schools, uh, especially USC, who just kind of like spits these guys out. Uh, you know, a little bit of spoiler to, to top the list was a little bit of surprise for me. Um, probably the one I have the most issue with is Mr. Richard Sherman out there for the 49ers. Now, I love Richard Sherman, but I agree with you here that if this list came out five years ago, he's unquestionably the number one. Unquestionably the number one. 
Now, I mean, he still had a good year last year. It's hard to root for him while he's wearing that red and gold stuff that they wear down uh, there in the Bay Area. We, what's something we can actually agree on? Yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, yes, yeah, some sports hate that we can come together on. But I think, I mean, he still does enough and still has the name and the legacy and to be the And he was the starting corner on a team that went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Can't take that away from no, him. No, absolutely but not. And of, he got his own contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Started a whole theory, a whole... Uh, Kind of momentum of yeah. yeah deandre hopkins did the same thing mm-hmm. with the cardinals um so i kind of wonder though if there's a little bit of uh pacific northwest homerism in no um I'm, I'm a little curious i don't know don't know the person who wrote the article but then i mean the top five the only other one that i was really kind of i thought should have been a little bit lower was mr marcus peters uh the corner out in baltimore right now i got to watch a, a lot of him down. when he played for the rams and he he does do a lot of really good things but you definitely pay for it, and some other, it's like having Carmelo Anthony. It's very much like him, where it's like the things he does are really cool, but you're definitely losing a little bit on the backside. Well, it's interesting that you say that because listening to the amount of ridiculous podcasts that I do, they talked a lot about Marcus Peters last year, where he was kind of in a position in LA where they wanted him to play a specific role, like do this. This is what we want you to do. Like, and he was basically giving them the middle finger salute. He gets to Baltimore, and they say. Go do what you're good at. Yeah. And it's just a different philosophy. Neither mm-hmm. is you know wrong or right. It's just a different way of doing things. And I think he was able to flourish last year, which kind of got him back on the radar. Whereas, again, if you made this list a couple of years ago, I think he would definitely warrant you know maybe a top five rating. Yeah, I would have had him probably down around the 10 spot. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of hard to say, especially positionally with like corners and it's weird to say that Marcus Peters is an aging corner in the NFL because it seemed like true though. We yeah. Were, like he just got in the league, but you yeah. have such a short window. I mean, your athleticism has to be ramped up so well, much. Well, that's why, yeah, Patrick Peterson and guys like that are such an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And Richard Sherman, for that matter, to still be able to play at the level that he was last year, it has advanced age. And so according to this list, uh, we have two products up there in the top 10, the only two products on this list, which I was, I was in agreement with. I thought yeah, the like, cornerbacks that we have in the league right now haven't done enough to warrant being on this right. list. Right, and I was kind of like, I was like, well, here, I'm going to find like a corner lower on the list, and I'm going to match up his numbers with uh, Troy Hills. And I think it was uh, Stephen Nelson out of Oregon State. I was like, Troy Hill has to have more tackles, interceptions. But he is down at uh, 20th. No, no, Stephen Nelson, way better statistically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even yeah. make the argument. I was like, oh, boy, that's talk about being wrong. Well, and that's also just a product of that Pittsburgh Steeler defense. Yeah, for sure. So, skipping to my top five. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Desmond Trufant was the other one at 25 that I was looking at statistically, and I was like, dude, he had some years. Yeah, let's uh, go after any Cougar. Yeah. (laughs) So, my top five, number one, I have Eric Kendricks. Okay. Yeah, can't Uh, push back on that too much. One of the best inside linebackers in the entire Mm -hmm. NFL. Jack of all trades, a linebacker position. One of the best run stoppers. Can't there get around and run. Number two, I got Defoe. Uh, I think he's probably second or third best defensive tackle in the league. Top three. Yeah, top three. I mean, mean, Aaron Donald is obviously on an island all his own. All all his own. And then they had another guy on here, uh, Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, yeah. From UCLA, who's also one of the best DTs in the entire league. And another one, actually, Vita Vea, later on on the list. Right, and Kenny Clark and Defoe were four and five on this list. Uh, So, I mean, that's tricky, but, you know, I I would swap those. But, you know, 
We're kind of homers here. Go figure, right? No. Uh, so I got Defoe there. Third, I got Cam Jordan out of Cal. I think he's probably one of the best edge rushers in the league. I love everything he's done the yeah, last few years. Undisputed, one of the best players on the defensive side of the ball in the entire league. Most controversial p- picks on my list here. I got number four at Corey Littleton uh, out of UW. I was kind of I I was upset about when the Rams got him, and then I grew to love him. Now he's in Vegas doing his thing. He's uh, He's one of those outside linebacker types that, like, I think is kind of like basketball is like the new age center. Mm. I think football kind of is this new age, like, super athletic outside linebacker that's kind of asked to do a lot of, like, safety style stuff. More of almost like a true nickelback with the linebacker body. Mm -hmm, But just, like, yeah, enormous kind of. And see, we don't hate you, Washington. (laughs) Like, that, like, Shane's just trying to, like, give you dogs a bone here and just let you know that we don't completely hate you, purple wearing people. Dogs a bone. That was good. That was nice. And then at five, I have Mr. Eric Armstead, defensive tackle over in, uh, well, kind of hybrid defensive lineman up there in San Francisco, yes. who is kind of like the last, uh, last of the Mohicans. Up last there guy standing, area. yeah, a little bit. <laughs> he's the the meme. The, the, he's the fresh prince looking around me like, hey, where's everybody? Where'd at? everybody go? Where'd the furniture go? Where'd everybody go? Oh yeah, so that's my top five. Uh, I think that, but I think this list has done a really good job at you know highlighting some players that I had kind of forgotten about. Uh, Kevin King being one. Um, Desmond Trufant, even for me, was a guy that I'd kind of lost track of. Miles Jack. Miles Miles Jack was somebody I was so so incredibly high on when he came into the NFL like I was telling you before the podcast I play in a lot of dynasty fantasy football leagues and I actually drafted him in a couple of them in the hopes that he'd actually get some offensive touches also and I've just been completely let down but he's still in the league still playing at a fairly high level the Jaguars are just I don't know if they're a mess or if they do these things on purpose it's just such a weird organization well and it's almost like when they drafted him they had all these pieces in place and he could kind of be this like a crown jewel but kind of like the icing on the cake and now that a lot of these guys just lost everybody they're just like all right now be an all pro middle linebacker and he's like i don't know if that is exactly what i was brought here to do would you rather be a jaguar or a jet oh boy both not ideal places to live. The Jets apparently have a sticky field where you tear, tear your ACL, so that's definitely a downfall. The Jets have God, kind of just as shaky. Man, I'm going to go down to uniforms here. I'm going to go Jets. I'm gonna, oh, see, I'm going to go Jaguars. At least Jacksonville's better than New York. They play in New Jersey. They all live in New Jersey. Too. Meadowlands right. and all that's gross, though. Uh, I just don't want to like be like, in... like jet like northern Florida. The only oh, it's not good. The only state where the more north you go, the more south it gets. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> not good. But I think I'd still take it over New Jersey. I don't know. I can just imagine. And then like one other thing I was thinking of is like playing Jacksonville. You got all these fans breathing all over you in these stadiums. At least in Jersey, you get to play in this place where the governor's like. This is like, true. Dialing it back a little bit. But if I'm a Jaguar, I get to hang out with Moonshine Minshew. And I'm kind of okay with that. Instead of big forehead, Sam Darnold. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely taking Minshew over Darnold. Yeah, and like the Jets, you got to deal with Le'Veon Bell. Man, that is... I'm going to ask a lot of people that question. It's a good question, right? That's a good one. I like that. Good barometer. Every once in a while, squirrel finds a nut, (laughs) Shane. Every once in a while. Must be the bourbon I'm drinking during today's podcast. (laughs) Speaking of debauchery, let's jump into some gambling talk here at the end of the podcast. Uh, What do you got for us, Shane? So I focused on, you know, our two pro duck players that uh, are going to get the most run this week. We got Big Herb who's getting the start for the Chargers. They're coming in minus six and a half against Carolina. So they're coming in as favorites. 
Uh, that bet is minus 106. So you're getting an almost positive return there. Their money line is minus 295. So basically one to three betting is where you're kind of going to look at it. $30 bet wins you 10 bucks. I take the points there. Uh, the points are nice. Um, I think I would take the points better than that money line. Yeah, and I I think that because I did a few different parlays today, I I actually went with Carolina when my uh, parlay where I pick every single game mm. and just throw a dollar on it. Mm-hmm. I just think Herb, in his first true start, Carolina actually has a game to watch tape on him now. This is true. This is uh, true. It's just, it's kind of shaky where Carolina's offense has these, I mean, no Christian McCaffrey, big deal, mm-hmm. but also Mike Davis is a pretty good back. Pretty solid right guy that we've seen in Seattle be pretty good for a couple years. Uh, and then you got Teddy Two Gloves, who's just not going to make a lot of mistakes. I just love Teddy Two Gloves. I just not, want nothing but good things for Teddy Two Gloves. Not because he's on my fantasy team. I just love Teddy Two Gloves. Mm-hmm. I think if you were just going to bet this game straight out, not uh, mash it up with anything, I would definitely go with the points there. Yep. But that's the, that's a good game. If you want to throw together like four teams, do a little teaser bet where you Ooh, get six points, then okay. you're just talking about basically uh, the um, Chargers money line, which I mean you'd be getting their money line for more uh, more equal return. Yes. Sorry, stumbling over myself yes. here. Under over for this math game is, is hard sometimes. <laughs> under over for this game is forty three and a half points. Uh, like Herbert that. to score in this game where he physically brings the ball across the end zone. If he's the first or last to do it, you got twenty to one odds. And for him to do it at any point in the game, you're looking at about three and a half to one off. So if he throws a touchdown, no. that doesn't count. Right. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, I don't like that. So that's him. That's the person physically bringing the ball across yeah. the goal line. I think they're going to run him less this week. I think they're going to talk to him a little bit about that and be like, we know you have the elk inside you. Let's just let's use Eckler. Let's use Kelly. Let's use the Arsenal. Let's use Hunter Henry a little mm-hmm. bit more this week. And I think I. I like the under just because of the the defense of the Chargers and the mindset of Anthony Lynn there. And I think they're going to be very um, conservative with play calling in yes, this game on both. Absolutely, sides. and you get you saw a lot of what they were doing already. They were giving him half field reads. They were giving him some rollouts, a lot of play action where he was only looking at one side of the field, mm-hmm. one look, two look, nothing there, run. I think this week they might give him one look, two look, dump off to Austin Eckler. And his one interception, <laughs> yeah. His one interception was a play where he did improvise a little bit, rolled out to the left, threw it right at the line of scrimmage. It actually wasn't that bad of it. Just to cross your body. It's a tough throw. Well, and he, he got picked off at like the five or yep. whatever. So it's basically like a good punch. <coughs> so, I mean, I hope that's the way he was looking at it. So Big Herb's under over for passing yards tomorrow. Uh, it's 243 and a half. The under is minus 120 and the over is minus 110. So you're getting... The Vegas is saying the under is a little bit more likely. Yeah, I like that under. Mm-hmm. I like that. Again, I think that you're going to see a lot of Joshua Kelly. I think you're going to see Justin Jackson get some carries tomorrow. I think you're finally going to see that Austin Eckler breakout game for all your fantasy players out there that need him on your roster. Passing TDs under over, we're going one and a half. Yep, the, I like the under there too. Uh, the over is minus 140. The under is plus 105. So you're actually getting a little bit more than equal return yep. on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, INTs is a half. So... Basically, will will or will he not throw an interception? I would take the over there. I think he'll throw one pick just doing the doing the Herbert thing. I think he throws at least one. I think the over is minus 130. The under is uh, equal return. And then over in Denver, Rolls-Royce is still backup running back for the time being. With and Phil also Lindsay. emergency quarterback. Not also, to be yeah. understated. They did sign Blake Bortles this week. Uh-huh. If I have my pick between Rolls-Royce or Blake Bortles, I'm throwing Rolls-Royce out there. I don't know how the Broncos feel about that. I can't believe they don't have a wide receiver or somebody who's more suited to play quarterback than Royce Freeman. I could be wrong. 
I want to say Royce played a little option quarterback in Lacey when he was up in Washington. That's insanity. Yeah, I like, think he played a little bit of triple option. I think one of, like, say, his sophomore year up there, he played a little bit quarterback. That's just bonkers to me. Just based on shoulder pads. Like, <laughs> It'd be just hard. Like what he wears, Mike, can he lift his elbow high enough? Um, so Denver is playing Tampa Bay. They are five point underdogs. If you take that five points, you're getting a little bit over equal return. The money line a little over two to one um, at home versus Tampa Bay to score first or last uh, plus uh, twenty eight hundred. So they're saying, and at any point is four and a half to one. So they're actually saying. Vegas thinks it's more likely for Justin Herbert to be the ball, the person carrying the ball over <laughs> the uh, goal line than Mr. Rolls Royce Freeman here. No, and I, I hear you there, and I just think that I like the Bucks there. I think this is going to be a little bit of a put up or shut up game for the Don for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. You know, like are you kind of going, you know, one, two, three, Cancun? You know, already right. in this early season, just kinda due to the injuries. Like They've been just, I mean, they've really had problems at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. They put a lot of momentum, a lot of stake into Drew Locke. And I actually liked Drew Locke like and what Drew he could be. Yeah. And to have him go down with that injury. And just a dumb, dumb injury. Just get rid of the ball and, and just, just to have it happen. happen. Exactly. Yeah. And so it just it hurts you on so many different levels as a franchise to see something like that happen. And I'm just curious to see how they come back. Because they've already been, they're already down Von Miller. For the whole right. season, I mean, are they just kind Portland of going to pack it in? Now it yes. looks like he might be done for at least an extension. I hope not. I hope that they can kind of kind of rally around this. And have, I mean, I've I've got some some fantasy interest in that roster a little bit here, but I really do hope that things can go right for Rolls Royce, especially with Philip Lindsay still on the shelf. Yeah, and it's nice to at least you know this is the opportunity that Rolls Royce needed. He needed just a few more carries to show that he has something to do there. I mean, with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. His days there being a productive running back are probably less likely than maybe going. Oh, he's to a gone next place. year. He's gone next year if they don't trade him. Oh yeah, yeah, they're and not going to bring him trade back. Values. Seahawks seventh round pick. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so yeah, thank you for bringing the gambling angle. Love it. I do want to talk a little bit, just a scotch about the NBA here at the end of the podcast. Um, Denver struggling. Denver struggling against the Lakers right now. I don't know. So again, we are homers here, right. but the fact that Plum Dog Millionaire is getting time over Bull Bull, <laughs> I just don't understand. Well, especially when Plumley, like I, I've never been so happy that we traded him until he went under that screen in Game Two. For Anthony Davis Game Three, Game, Game three, three when yeah, Davis. It's just it's bad communication. Stupid. It's stupid. It's just bad basketball. Whatever you do there, you have to either lock and trail, or if you're planning on switching, you have to actually get under LeBron and literally push Grant out to mm-hmm. where Davis was. And Plum Dog literally just got up to Anthony Davis, or not Anthony Davis, but like up to Grant and was like, "Hey, buddy." I wanted to give him a hug. And like LeBron could have streaked to the rim for a wide open bucket. And what happened? Davis caught the three and knocked it down. Jokic getting from the inbounder all the way to contest the three was incredible. Incredible agility for the big fella. And the way just he was love it. jumping yes. and flailing, guarding the inbounds pass. I haven't seen, like, that's normally what people do in, like, the fourth grade YMCA love games it. that I read. And then you saw, then in this last game, again, the Nuggets just not having enough to close it out. I just... Bull Bull is the key that unlocks this Nuggets team, in my opinion. And I know he's not probably ready. He's probably not strong enough to get out there and compete against the the bullies of Dwight Howard. Mm-hmm. But those bigs next, are tough. 
the Nuggets are scary, man. The They're Nuggets could be really, really scary. Bill Simmons brought this up to Ryan Rosillo the other day about duos. Like, what duo in the NBA would you rather have right now? <laughs> they talked about, you know, uh, Donkic and Porzingis being basically the pick. But, I mean, basically you could put Seth Curry with Donkic, and you're probably still going to take that. But I think Murray and Jokic come in next. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 the other pairings, I mean, you're talking about Tatum and Brown. Tatum and Brown is nice. I mean, something I thought was interesting, and, like, I think it was the second round of the playoffs, uh, it was another Simmons and Rosillo thing where they said Boston had the best big three in the playoffs mm-hmm. with uh, Brown, Tatum, and uh, Kemba. Yeah. And I was like, me and my boss were talking about it at work. We're like, that's not right. And then we're just sitting there and we're like, well, no, okay, yeah. It's like, Lakers, Kuzma, uh, like – it's weird that there yeah. are the way that the talent is dispersed in the league right now. Mm-hmm. You basically have duos and possibly a trio. You've gotten away from the big three generation out of the duo generation, and that's mm-hmm. what you're really seeing. If Will the Thrill Barton was playing for the Nuggets and playing at the level that he had been, I think they could have an argument to have that top three, but it'd basically be due to just the. One and then it's like, is he that much better than Tory Craig? Like, yeah, a lot better than Tory Craig. But that's just my own personal opinion. And again, Bull Bull could be that other third figure for them. Hopefully, moving down the road. The one story that I haven't seen yet, and it's, I guess it's because the Celtics don't look like they're going to be the team that face off against the Lakers in the finals, is the similarities of Anthony Davis and Kemba Walker in these NBA bubble runs. Both of them are playing in basically the highest profile games they've ever played Mm -hmm. on the backs of other more talented superstars. Yeah. I think, again, and this is... Everybody that knows me knows that saying that someone is more talented, that LeBron is more talented than Anthony Davis is a little bit challenging for me, but I think it is true. However, the Uh, the way they're playing right now, the I think they unlock each other. Has LeBron had a better career than Anthony Davis? Yes. Pure talent-wise, it's still LeBron. I don't it's know. I honestly think that Anthony Davis is pure talent-wise the best player in the NBA. I think he's better than Giannis. Hot take. Hot take. Now, I don't... I can't... Twitter necessarily... doesn't agree with me. I, I, there's, an, there's an argument to be made there, especially with the big shots that he's knocking down and the way that he is raising his game to this level. And that's what I wanted to see from Kemba. I'm not even really rooting for the Celtics right now. I've abandoned my Celtic mm-hmm. fandom. However, I still want to see hard not to like Kemba. One, well, I, I love Kemba and like the, the cardiac Kemba that he had, you know, early on in the career. I love Brown and Tatum and the uh-huh. dynamic that they have. I thought that Kemba could really unlock them and he's just not rising the way that Anthony Davis has for the Lakers. And there's, I haven't seen an article about this or a story written about the fact that these two players are really on similar arcs. I mean, neither of them have played in conference championship. Excuse me, conference championships before. And oh, I mean, they played in the second round before, right? Davis or did. Davis did. We beat the Blazers. Yeah, and it's and Kemba did also. Kemba did also. And I think it's just interesting that that story is not getting more pub. We're probably looking at a Lakers Heat finals. I'm still holding out for my Nuggets. I still they're they're three one. They're exactly where they want to be. So what do you we'll think see what for, happens for tonight? Uh, they play, and I was looking at the lines before I came in. Oh, I uh, hammer the Nuggets. Nuggets are plus 185 money line. Hammer the Nuggets. And five and a half point underdogs. I don't normally say paycheck bet, but I'd put a paycheck on the Nuggets. Really? All right. I, and that's I, that's also just because I believe the Lakers are going to have a little bit of empathetic or apathetic basketball out there. I don't know if Anthony Davis is going to play. There's talk about 
we all know when you sprain an ankle, it's a lot easier to finish that game than oh, it is to come back well, two days 100%. later and play on it. Unbelievably, they called a foul on that, though. Now, oh, don't talk about Let's not get into that conversation. <laughs> the interesting, and we'll, we'll end the podcast with this because Shane's got a hard out, but the interesting storyline that this sets up is if Anthony Davis doesn't play, it gives LeBron James the chance to have a cape game. Yeah. A chance to put on the superhero cape. Score pity. And put up a, a 52-12-9 game and send the Nuggets home. And I think it's an interesting, unique opportunity that we don't get a lot in the NBA playoffs. And I'm really excited to watch it. LeBron's under over is only 26 and a half points. I would hammer that over too. Yeah, it was yep. minus 150. Yeah, so see, this like, is yeah. why I don't have your little app on my phone. <laughs> this is why the universe wouldn't allow me to have that app on my phone. The, the only bet I laid on this game was uh, Nikola Jokic over 37 and a half points, rebounds, assists combined. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that too. If you're still listening, thank you. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate the support. Please jump on the social media. Give us a like. Give us a share. Tell us a, tell a friend about us. Um, it's getting to be that season where you know football's here basketball's heating up the content's going to be heating up so uh we're going to try to give you some more quality content keep it flowing keep it coming keep it coming appreciate you we love you we out peace i gave my love a cherry that had no stone I gave my love a chicken that had no bones. I give. Sorry.
Shout! 